0: Welcome to 4th and 2 Strikes. I'm your host, Cole Laney, and today we're going to be going through a multitude of topics, including in the baseball world. We haven't talked about baseball in a couple weeks here, and I figured it was a great time as we should get a lockout update. And there was a top 100 prospects list dropped by athletic writer Keith Law a couple of days ago, and it's a lot to talk about. I mentioned in the last podcast I was going to be talking about the top 100 baseball players of all time. However, reading more and more into that list, I think that's going to warn its own episode post-Super Bowl in that area in between free NFL free agency and the beginning of the MLB regular season. I'm going to do a whole pod on that one. Additionally, there will be an episode coming out pre-Super Bowl about my predictions, some of the things, some of the gambling props I like in the game, and just overall what impact that everybody on the field is going to have tomorrow and what matchups to watch out for and the implications of either team winning the whole thing. So as promised, we're going to talk about Keith Law's top 100. What a list this is. A lot of interesting things in this list. It's not your stereotypical top 100 prospects. And let me preface by saying, I'm not the biggest prospect guy. I like looking at prospect lists. I like to see who's coming up into the MLB. However, I don't sit and watch too much film upon these guys. But I see what other people say and I hear have some people I trust their opinions very highly of. And they have some real discrepancies with this list. And I feel that even not as a prospect guy, I see the issues with this list because Keith Law is known for being a little bit more of a uh, a guy that likes to project higher upside on people, and he also disqualifies uh, people like uh, Japanese free agents and KBO members, which is fine. They are rookies, but uh, that's that's fine. That's I don't I don't mind leaving them out. So I want to talk about a couple of these players on this list because I see a lot of inconsistencies throughout this list as I just, I don't know. I I just, I really don't like some of the things he prefaces and the things that he tries to, I don't know, almost validate himself if he's wrong. He still tries to keep these people too high. But let's start at the top. Let's start at number one. Number one, he has uh, Orioles catcher Adley Rushman. Not an issue with that. Not my number one guy, personally. I've seen film on Rushman a lot. Number one overall pick a couple years ago by the Orioles. Great player. Not going to discount that. Switch in and catcher. He is 24. Going to be a great bat. Pretty good behind the plate. He's going to be an all-star very soon. Absolutely. I just don't see the up. And this guy that projects upside. I just don't see the upper echelon upside. Of Rushman compared to the number two guy, and something we have to get into here in this top 10, which I only truly have one big issue with. But personally, Rushman, not my number one guy, but no issues with it. Polished product should be the opening day catcher for the Orioles. No problem at Rushman at one. Let's go down to two. we got Bobby Witt Jr., shortstop of the Royals, one pick behind Rushman in the 2019 MLB draft. I love Bobby Witt Jr., he might be my number one guy. He's a shortstop with power, projectability to stay at shortstop throughout his career. Very athletic. He's only 21 or 22 now. But so he's two years younger and he's hit at every level. Everywhere he's gone, he's been fantastic. And he talks about in here, he's a 70 grade runner, which if you don't know how that scale works, a 50s, the middle, it's a 20, 80 scale. So a 60 would be one standard deviation above the mean and then a 70 would be two, and 80 would be three, which if you're 70-grade runner, that essentially puts you in the 95th percentile-ish. So he's a very plus-plus runner, has an 80 arm, which it means he might have the best arm in the minors. He's a great hit tool, great power. Everything Bobby Witt does, fantastic player, son of former Ranger starter Bobby Witt. I, I love Bobby Witt Jr. He's very comparable as he talks about here to like a Carlos Correa coming up, who he's going to come up and make an immediate impact upon the Royals. And I think the Royals are really trying to create this atmosphere around bringing up wit when you have other guys in the system that we're going to talk about, like MJ Melendez, Nick Prado, guys like that. I think wit is just the tip of the iceberg to these big prospects for the Royals that'll be coming up. And here's where I have my problem so those two, fine. There's three guys, in my opinion, that you could put at one and I wouldn't have an issue with. And however, the third guy that I would personally probably put at two behind Witt, maybe even one, is not number three. And that's where I have a problem. I'll get into him in a minute. But Riley Green, outfielder for the Tigers, three. 21 years old, pure left-handed hitter. I really love his swing. I think he's going to be a really good player. He's Going to be, as he talks about here, like a 300, 400, 500 guy. And that's great. I would love to see that's a 900 OPS guy when he gets to the MLB. And I think he'll be up next year. He's fantastic. Uh, He's no issues with Riley Green. Probably would be my fourth or fifth guy. But I don't have an issue with putting him at three. I have an issue with who he moved down to move up. A guy like Riley Green should be on the big league club next year. Watch his Tigers team. Very interesting with some of those young guys in the rotation. You got to see how former number one of our pick Casey Mize does. A Tariq Scubal. Uh Matt Manning didn't look great last year. But now you've signed a guy like Javi Baez to be a leader on that team. You signed Eduardo Rodriguez to be the innings eater in the rotation. A lot of interesting pieces on this Tigers roster next year, especially with the addition of Green in this next guy we're going to talk about, Spencer Torkelson, first baseman of the Tigers, number one overall pick in 2020 out of Arizona State. Fantastic bat. This kid is going to be a monster day one. I don't see any problems with him adapting the big leagues. Yes, the strikeouts might get a little high, but the guys, as he talks about in here, he's going to be a, Mid 200s, the upper 200s guy. We're going to walk a good bit. going to hit 30 homers. He's going to be a big impact middle line of bat. And I think that's fantastic. He's going to be great. And the problem is holding me back is they're trying to move him over to third base. I don't think he's a third baseman. He's a first baseman, in my opinion, which they haven't listed here as. But I would say just keep him at first base. He's going to be great there. And let him sit under one of the greatest right-handed hitters of our generation in Miguel Cabrera, and let him to- give his tutelage to this guy. And I think Torkelson will be an absolute monster. Him and Riley Green are ushering in the new era, the Detroit Tigers, and who I expect to probably be competitive here in a couple of years. If it, if all goes right, you make the signings you need to. The pitching staff, see what these young guys that you have there do with a guy like Rodriguez to be there as your your elder statesman of sorts. And he, I think he'll be better in that ballpark. That's another whole thing with his FIP and X FIP and stuff. Number five, CJ Abrams. C.J. shortstop, San Diego Project. CJ Abrams is ridiculous. He in double A last year hit 296, had a 363 on base with a 420 slugging. And he had 13 steals. He was 20 years old. He's an 80 grade run. He's an 80 grade runner. That would put him in, like, Trey Turner range. Is the fastest guy in baseball. Byron Buxton, Tim LaCastro, guys like that. He's going to be a freak, and he's a plus hit tool as well. This guy is going to hit wherever he goes. The problem was he did suffer an, a knee injury where he, or a leg injury. He broke his left tibia and sprained his MCL. But so he missed the rest of the season. But I don't think that's going to hinder him. At the very least, I don't know if we're going to see him next year having a big impact role. I think he's gonna have to move positions probably out to a center field because you have a guy like Fernando Tatis in his way. Or he can move over to a second base or Tatis can move over to a corner outfield spot depending upon how that shoulder is. But CJ Abrams fantastic player very very excited for him. He's gonna he's gonna be a stud. He's going to be a Trey Turner like stud, and I think he can have more power than Trey Turner because he's already shown plus power and something Turner's taken years to develop. And number six, they have Gabriel Moreno, catcher, Toronto Blue Jays. This kid rakes, absolutely rakes in thirty-two games at Double A. He hit three seventy-three with a eleven hundred OPS. That's ridiculous, but and he's going to be up. Probably not, maybe not next year, but the year after fantastic hitter. He's going to hit, he's going to be great. But with guys like Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen at the big league level, I don't think he's ready yet. I like Gabriel Moreno. I really do. I don't know if I'd have him as high as six, but again, if he's in the range that I think he should be, that's fine by me. Number seven. Oh boy. Shane Baz. Baz. Right-handed pitcher, Tampa Bay Rays. If anyone doesn't know, Shane Boz was the player to be named later in the Chris Archer trade to the Pirates, which the Rays received Tyler now. stud. Austin Meadows, stud. And a player to be named later. And that player to be named later was Shane Boz, who a former first-round pick of the Pirates. If they couldn't make it any worse, they trade over a guy that just hits uh, easy upper 90s, strikes out everyone, and barely walks anybody. And I know for the fact that Rays develop them well. I know the Pirates want to look at the, what they did with Glass now. They don't develop guys. Especially with Ray Searidge, who preached two-seam fastballs low in the zone, which is fine for reclamation projects like an Edison Volquez, a J-Hap at the time, Francisco Lariano. Not great for guys that are high velo, high spin rate, top of the zone. Guys like Garrett Cole, Glass now, what we see in Boz. Boz is going to be fantastic. He's might be a... My pick for AL Rookie of the Year, I don't know. There's so many guys in the AL. I mean, you're going to have Rushman, Witt, and a guy we're going to get to in two spots here that I think could absolutely have a shot at it. But a guy that's going to be up day one, Shane Boz, fantastic pitcher. And it's scary to see what the Rays are going to do with him. Number eight, Francisco Alvarez, catcher for the Mets. Love Francisco Alvarez. This guy just hits the piss out of the ball. He's He's only 20 years old. And he was in high A last year, which is great for his age. And he's going to be a fantastic, fantastic player for years to come. He's got a great swing. He's a plus arm. And he's good enough as a catcher. That's all I need to know. Give him a couple years. He's going to need probably two two more years, maybe a third, come up in that third year. But when he gets up there, just wait. The Mets have a really good catcher on their hands. And they... With guys like James McCann starting most games, they should be ecstatic to see Francisco Alvarez sooner than later. Okay, here's my biggest problem with the top ten. Coming in number nine, Julio Rodriguez, outfielder, Seattle Mariners. Julio Rodriguez, at age twenty, destroyed Triple A. At age twenty, he—that's most guys' sophomore year in college—and this guy was in Triple A. The the level below the MLB and crushed it. You put him at number nine. He would be my number two guy. If not one, he is amazing. And you talk about guys. The problem is what I have with this list is he goes high upside guys. I don't know if there's a higher upside guy in this top 10 than Julio Rodriguez. He's a fantastic right-handed hitter. He controls the zone. His swing's going to play. He's an above average runner. He, Plays decent defense. He'll be a corner outfielder, which is fine. But he, and the problem is what I have with this. If you go to the bottom of this write-up of him, he says, and I quote, he looks like a long-term cleanup hitter who challenged for MVP awards with 30 to 40 home runs and a high on-base percentage in right field. How is it not higher on your list? You just mentioned that he'll challenge for MVP awards. Julio Rodriguez is amazing. Look at his stats compared to Wander Franco of the Tampa Bay Rays, who was a fantastic shortstop and number one prospect in baseball last year. They're almost identical. And Franco came up, immediately made an impact. And in my, I think Franco is going to be a top seven to six-ish shortstop next year in the entire league. And he's the same age, or he's a year older now, or same age as Julio Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez is going to be fantastic. I have a huge problem with you putting him at nine, Keith Duvall. Well. He should be at three, two, one. If you want to put four, Riley Green, maybe, but he should not be lower than that. And every other list has him one, two, or three. So the fact that you put him up at nine tells me that I think you were doing this to get views and you're not evaluating this player correctly. I know you're a senior member whatever, but then... You go on Twitter after you get criticism and you start saying, Oh, you don't know anything about prospects. I'm the prospect expert. I'm sorry, but that makes you come off as a serious a hole and acting like you have no idea what you're doing. And you're just doing this to get publicity. Ran over Rodriguez a nine, asked a nine, not right. Number 10, we got Anthony Volpe, shortstop, New York Yankees. You want to talk about a season? How about the former number 30 overall pick in the 2019 MLB draft? Former high school teammate of Jack Leiter. Anthony Volpe, what an incredible rise. He's number 10 right now, and I don't think he'll come up next year. He's only 21. He was a high school bat. But he'll come up in maybe two years from now. And he is, the with guys ahead of him like Julio Rodriguez is going to make his debut next year, shows Bobby Witt, Adley Rushman. Shane Boz will not no longer be eligible. With guys like that, Riley Green, Torkelson, with guys like that ahead of you, there's a serious, serious chance Volpe is number one, the number one prospect in baseball. And this guy, don't want to say come out, came out of the middle of nowhere, he was a first-round pick, but no one thought he was going to be this good. He, for the season between low and high A, and that's a big jump for a 20-year-old, he hit 294, had a 423 on base, 604 slugging had 27 bombs and 33 stolen bases. Given stolen bases are a little bit inflated with those and bag rolls and the pickoff rolls in low A, but he's gonna be a plus runner. A plus he he has a very good hit tool, and now we see him plus power. This kid's gonna be an absolute stud. He's a high IQ baseball player, he's gonna be great. And as a Yankees fan, I'm super excited to see Volpe. As everyone thinks, the number one prospect for the Yankees is Jason Dominguez, the Martian. No, it's full pay. It's not close. He's the only untouchable in this system. He's going to be unbelievable. And probably by mid-season, because everyone else should fulfill the service time to get off this list, he will be a top three to five guy. And I think he could have a chance of being number one by the year's end. Okay. So that was the top 10. I'm not going to touch on every single person now. I just want to go through each of those guys on the top 10 and talk about the issues I had and talk about these guys because these are the real studs. Not to say there's not for the rest of this list, but and now I'm going to start talking about some of the guys that I see. rankings maybe too high, too low, guys like that. So let's go down. All right, we have uh, Noeli Marte at 11, great player. Number 12, very interesting, is Hunter Green. Cincinnati Reds, Hunter Green's known as the guy out of high school at Notre Dame High School in California who threw 102 and then hit as a shortstop. Well, he's had Tommy John, but he's come back strong. He had a really pretty good year this year, and I think he's trending in the right direction. I think he could be up next year. I think he's going to be a good pitcher, but he just needs to worry about his stuff a little bit because his fastball seems hittable to a degree. It seems it's very straight, maybe not a high spin rate fastball. So maybe work on that a little bit. I don't know. He's a physical guy, 6'5, 230. He'll be fine. I think he'll be in the big league sooner than later. He just got out of the 40 man. So we'll see, but start him in triple a, let him have a couple starts. And if he starts balling out by maybe mid season, you bring him up, maybe even August. Number 13. I have another thing at 13 with Diego Cartaya, catcher of the Dodgers. I think Keith Law just values catchers too much. I like Cartaya a lot, but is too high. Too too high. He's a twenty year old, yes, I know. And he played really well in low A and but a uh, nineteen, but uh, I just I, I think he's a little high right now. I think that's a little bit too much of a projection. Maybe next year, again, with these guys ahead of him graduating. I think Cartaya is gonna be a top five prospect ish guy. Maybe next year, but not right now. Grayson Rodriguez at 14 is a little low, low for me. Grayson's a absolute stud for the Orioles. He's gonna have to be the ace of that rotation coming up with guys like DL Hall behind him. The only problem is with I have the only problem I have with Grayson Rodriguez is the fact that he plays for the Orioles, because the Orioles do not develop pitching. They're awful at it. And he's gotta be almost like the unicorn to defy those odds and be the ace of the Orioles. Should be up this year. Very excited for him. Let's look at some other guys here that are notable. Corbin Carroll is going to be a good player. Okay. At 17, they have Nolan Gorman, who's a second base, third baseman for the Cardinals. Third baseman, they're trying to move him over to second. Maybe that can get him into the big leagues faster. Gorman is way too high, in my opinion. I do not put him at 17. He would be a little bit lower just because of his inability to hit left-handed pitching is awful. So he's a left-handed hitter, and he cannot hit lefties. He's a pure platoon guy. He doesn't strike out necessarily too, too much. I mean, 22% is not bad. He entered AAA and played well, but his inability to hit lefties scares me. And yes, he has 35 to 40 homer power, as Keith Law mentioned here, but if you can hit lefties at all, I just don't know w- how m- you could be this high on the list. Yes, he rakes against righties, but he just doesn't hit lefties at all. He, I think he hit a below 200, barely any power, like two home runs against them. He needs to work on that this offseason. He's 22, still young. Start him in AAA, and if he hits, maybe can get to the big leagues, but I don't know where he has a spot. Because you have a guy like Tommy Edmund in second. He's not going to go play third over Arenado. And shortstop, they have a ton of guys there in St. Louis. So I don't know where you put Nolan Gorman at this point. Maybe the DH getting added to the National League, which we're going to get into later, will really help Nolan Gorman, maybe get some at-bats next year. But I, don't, I think he's too high at 17. That's For a guy that can't hit lefties, he's too high. Another interesting one here at 19 is Reed Detmers, left-handed pitcher for the Angels seems a little high. I saw Detmer's pitch in the MLB. He made his debut. He didn't look necessarily great. He has good command as a lefty, but his fastball's not exactly great. He has a couple other good pitches, but he's a three-pitch pitcher. I just I think he's going to be a solid big league guy, but again, you Keith Law prefaces that he wants guys with high upside. I just don't see the extreme high upside in Detmers. I see him as a solid three, maybe a number two best case scenario. But most certainly, if if a guy's up at 19, I think he should have borderline ace stuff. If not, should be a solidified two. And I don't even know if Reed Detmers is that. He's going to throw strikes. He's going to be a solid pitcher. But I just don't see the extreme hype on a guy like Detmers. Let's... Go down a little bit more here. Let's look. Uh Brian R- Rokio, I think is how you say it. Shortstop for the Guardians. Think he's a little high. Previous rank was ninety-nine. I'd maybe move him a little bit down, but he's gonna be another guy high upside. So I guess I understand this one moving him up, but I I don't understand guys like Detmers. I think Roqueo might not be as good I don't think I think Detmer's better than Rocchio, but I think both are a little, little high. Not not too big of an issue with that though, because this is a lot of subjective stuff here with guys in the middle. Let's see, uh, Austin Martin at twenty five seems a little high. I just Austin Martin's already twenty three. He's I, he doesn't have a position. He's gonna be a big doubles guy, which I guess is, can translate, but he's not gonna have a lot of homers. And I th- see him his upside is maybe like a three fifteen hitter, which is great, but. 40 doubles. And I, I don't know. I just don't think a guy without a position like he does, he'll figure it out, but he'll be in the big league sooner than later. And that was the big key in the Barrios trade, uh, Austin. But I think he's a little high at 25. Lighter, 26, seems a little low. He's fantastic. He'll be up at the big league sooner than you think. Melendez, a 27, fantastic hitter. Fantastic, fantastic hitter for the um, the Royals catcher. He's going to be a several Perez's replacement. Jordan Walker at 30 seems a little bit low because Jordan Walker's 20 years old and he absolutely balled out last year when he got to high He started in low A and then made his way to high A where he was only 19, way younger than the average person, the average player in that league. Fantastic guy. He's 6'5", 220. He's going to be an absolute stud as he talks about here, 30-30 upside. So I, again, another... High upside guy that I just think is a little low. Josh Young should be up this year for the Rangers. Okay, here's where I have a problem number 33 of Edward Cabrera, the Marlins. Again, I get the high upside thing, but he's 24 years old and he really has not looked great last year. He, he misses bats. Very high amount of bats. He has a good sinker. He can almost get 100 on his sinker. Everyone knows that if they play MLB The Show, he's a ridiculous pitch arsenal. But he played in the big leagues a little bit and just didn't look great. His command was really off. His walk rate was a little high. I, like, I don't know if he slots into the rotation for the Marlins. I would move a guy like Edward Cabrera. When you have guys like a Jesus Lazardo, who you traded Sterling Marte for, you have studs like Alcantara, Lopez. I think Eliezer Hernandez is pretty good. I just don't see the spot in the, lo- the rotation for Edward Cabrera, especially when you have guys on on the up and up, like who knows what Sixo Sanchez is, and Max Meyer, who we're going to get into later, who I think might just be better than him at this moment. Not too much of an issue, but a little bit of an issue of him being in the t- upper third of this list. Also Tyler Soderstrom being at 35. I don't, not a fan of that. This guy's going to be an unbelievable hitter, but he's listed as a catcher. But he's not going to catch. He's not good behind the plate. He's going to have to be moved over to play first base. And I, the value of a first baseman just is nowhere near as high as a catcher. Now, if he worked on a defensive stays as a catcher. Yes, he deserves this ranking because he is a fantastic offensive player, but I can't have a guy that's so subpar as a defensive catcher that I could put him at 35, even though the bat has a tremendous upside. Okay, here's maybe the biggest problem I have with the entire list. At 38, Keith Law puts Christian Pache, who he had three last year. Christian Pache... Couldn't get at-bats on a Braves team that didn't have any outfielders. They lost Acuna, Cunha, and he still couldn't get at-bats. Yes, he could be a Gold glove contender in center field tomorrow, but he swings a wet noodle of a bat. You got to give up on—I I don't want to give up on guys that early, but I don't see the upside in Pache. I see him could be almost like a Kevin Kiermaier-like where— great defensively gonna win you a gold glove but it's gonna bat eighth in your lineup and eighth or ninth now with the dh so yes he's fantastic defensively but i i don't i think that it's awful that you left pache in there and i think the only reason you left pache even close to this list he should not be in the top 100 at 38 is awful the only reason you did that is because you put him at number three last year and you can't admit when you're wrong. So you want to keep him in the list to keep yourself some promise and say, look, I didn't do that bad. He just had a bad season. No, he did awful. And he does not deserve to be in this top 100 at all. And then like Ronnie Mauricio at 40, Ronnie Mauricio just doesn't, I don't know. He just didn't do great. He didn't get on base. He swings at everything. He has no plate discipline. And yes, I know he's young. He's 21 years old. He needs to add some weight. He's only 166 right now. But I don't know if Mauricio should make this list because he has no play discipline, whatever. He swings at everything. And he his swing's not fantastic. He Yes, he's a switch, switch hitter, but... And he even talks about in here, he's not great defensive either. He says, I don't think he's going to stay at shortstop. His def- defense is too erratic. So I don't know how you could put a guy that is shaky on the defensive side of the ball and then has no plate discipline. And some of these young attributes that you would like to see in a good prospect, To even put him at 40, he might make a back end. of Like, I'm not going to rank guys. But if I were, he'd probably be a top uh, back of the list guy, maybe in the 80s, 90s. Uh, let's keep going down. Jordan at, or Balazovic, I think it's pronounced, at 43. Way too high. I like his fastball slider change or his fastball slider combo, but he, I've seen him in the big leagues. He's not going to be anything special. So the fact that you put him at 43 is a, way too high for me. Way, way too high. And again, you had him in your rankings last year. So you believe, oh, he made the big league. So he should stay in my ranking scale. No, no. I, I George Kirby being below Belazovic is absurd. George Kirby, 20th overall in 2019 out of Elon College. Was starting like 91, 92 with superb command and has an 80 grade command on his fastball, which is the best you can get. And now he throws 100. This guy throws 100 wherever he wants. Uh, he's, in my opinion, weights 45 is too low, but the fact that you put him behind guys like Blazovic is absurd to me. He, Kirby will be up in the big leagues, I think, next year, and he walks nobody and strikes out a ton with a 96 to 100 mile an hour fastball as a starter. He sits and locates exactly where he want. I, that's what like a guy like Jacob Degrom does. And I'm, I'm not comparing Kirby to, to to Degrom, but his stuff is so fantastic that I don't know why you have him at that low on this list. He needs to be especially above a guy like Blazovic. So The fact that you have him below him just shows. I don't know. That's that's bad. That that's just really bad. I know it's an opinion thing, but watch Jordan Balazovic pitch or Balazovic, and then go watch George Kirby pitch, and you tell me who's better. I guarantee you'll tell me Kirby's better. There's nobody in the minor leagues that locates his fastball like he does. He's an 80 grade command. The only guy in the minor leagues that do it. And he throws 100. Clocking to number 50, right in the middle of the list, we got Bobby Miller, right-handed pitcher for the Dodgers. He's going to be really good. I'm fine with him at this spot. I think he's going to move up on this list he could be up next year but he's gonna be a great player so we're at the midway point now now from 50 and on i don't get too particular about the rankings more of who's above whom not exactly what number they are because after 50 to 100 it's kind of a lot more subjective because your top 50 guys should be a consensus usually usually consensus guys that are in everybody's top 100. But now that we kind of reach down into the second half of this list, I think we start to get some more opinions on what guys like Keith Law value and MLB.com, MLB, or Baseball America. So at like 53, Michael Bush, his second baseman for the Dodgers. He's 24 years old, and I don't like Bush. Honestly, I think he's going to be a – okay hitter I think he could be a bench bat but he's at 53 is too high for me I mean at double a he hit 267 had a 386 on base so he gets on base but in 20 homers so he walks a lot and get some home runs but I don't see him as an everyday player especially like he struggled against lefties he hit under 200 that's a platoon guy for me he could hit righties so I don't know he I'm not a big big fan of Michael Bush I don't I could see him making an impact next year because of his age and the levels in which he's hit, but I don't see him being an everyday guy in the MLB. He could be maybe a platoon guy. Nick Prado being below him, a little bit absurd for me. He had a great breakout year after a rough 2019 no 2020 season, obviously. Prado's a stud. He was part of that Murders Row a A team for the uh royals i think they're the omaha storm chasers who had melendez who led the entire minor leagues in home runs prado hit a ton and hit 36 melendez had 41 and they had bobby Wood jr who's should be the number one prospect on this list and absurd power imagine going through that lineup on a daily basis trying to face them especially in the minor leagues last year with the six game series oh that would have been awful to see on a consistent basis trician costs us at 56 seems a little low to me I think Casas is going to be an impact that probably middle of the season, maybe, maybe next year, but he's going to be a really good hitter for the Red Sox. And this is why they're not going out to get a first baseman. They have Bobby Dalbeck, who sometimes look like Babe Ruth, other times look like he's swinging blindfolded at playing first base. But the reason you don't see them pursuing anyone is because of Casas. He's going to be up in the big league sooner than later, and he's going to make an immediate impact. Let's keep going down here. Okay, so then we have the mysterious case of Mackenzie Gore. His 59. Previous ranking was 2. I don't know what to think about Mackenzie Gore right now. He was my number one pitching prospect in baseball. I love watching that kid pitch. Left-handed pitcher, absolutely stud out of high school. He's still only 23 years old, so he's still on the younger end. But it feels like he's completely changed his mechanics because last year he didn't pitch for two months and was not hurt. I, I don't know what happened. I thought he was going to make the majors last year, and he could have been a Cy Young contender for a year to come, but I I don't know. I'm fine with him at this ranking middle of the pack because he has extremely high upside if he figures it out again, but he has to completely redo his entire arsenal because some days he was throwing like 88, other days 98. His changeup is a great pitch. His slider is good. His curveball, which was the big pitch out of high school, he might have to get rid of a little bit. His slider look great especially guys like in that one um batty against an mlb player in Lars new bar he just made him look silly with two sliders so if he does that i think he'll be fine but i i i'm okay with McGor or McKenzie Gore at fifty nine I don't know what to expect out of him Sam Bachman at 60 seems a little high to me He throws 102 out of Miami of Ohio on the Mac throws gas I guess he'll be good. I I don't. I've seen him pitch, and I don't know if he has a lot of starter upside. I see more of a reliever at this point, but we'll see how he develops and how many innings he can get under his belt, and if he can stay healthy. Gerardo Perdoma at Short 60, shortstop for the Diamondbacks is high. I, I I don't think he's that high on this list. I, I don't think he should be that high. Then you got Yuri Perez of the Marlins at sixty four, which should be the should be probably the third or second best Marlin pitching prospect. However, we're gonna get into at the end of this list of guys that didn't make it and who the guy that should be probably number one or number two. Number sixty five is O'Neill Cruz, which on a guy that prefaces upside, I don't know how you don't acknowledge that O'Neal Cruz might have the highest upside of anyone on this list. The guy's a six seven shortstop who hits the living crap out of the ball and played three games in the MLB and had a ball he hit 118, which is like the third fastest in the entire league. He hit 310 in the minors. He he had power. He showed his tools are great. I mean, he he runs pretty decent. He has a cannon arm, and he might stay at shortstop. I don't know. He's not. I don't think he'll go to third base because of Cabrian Hayes. Maybe he moves to a corner outfield spot, but man. Man, he, if you want to talk about a guy that people are really projecting to be the National League Rookie of the Year, if he keeps healthy and he puts it together, O'Neill Cruz could be an absolute stud for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Bryson Scott after him. I think he's going to make an impact on the Phillies next year. Then you end up with a couple of guys in a row, uh, catchers with Campusano and, uh, yeah, Campusano. And I, I th- thought he, they put um. Langoliers here, but no, I guess he didn't. Uh, 69 being Ellie De La Cruz, this kid's a stud, kind of a freaking nature. He's only six. He's six one fifty. puts on some weight. Watch out for this kid in years to come. He's one. It's gonna be a big, gonna be a guy that kind of rises this board a lot, and really hasn't had too much time in the minors last year. Kind of immersed himself onto the scene, so he's a guy to watch. What a guy you might want to put a little tab on, Ellie De La Cruz, shortstop for the Reds. He's going to be a guy be very interesting over the next couple of years. Uh, not too much here. The, these guys pretty well ranked. I don't really have a problem with any of these guys. At seventy eight, very interesting. Jason Dominguez, which is way lower than most people have him, but I'm okay with this. Dominguez really didn't prove anything last year, and given he just turned nineteen years old. He's born in 2003, so I'm not going to take too much of a sample size of an 18-year-old in low A. He didn't hit great, though. He, His right-handed swing didn't look great. He's a switch hitter, but still has the high upside, but I don't think he has as high of an upside as everyone thought that, like, number one prospect in baseball is going to be in the MLB by 19, be this unbelievable guy. Let him stay where he is, and if he's... Could figure it out maybe a little bit at low A and high A this year. That's a big step, and maybe he could get a cameo in Double A, but that'd be best case scenario. So it's gonna be interesting to see what Dominguez does. He's jack beyond belief. He's fast, but doesn't look. Like, he's more like straight line fast, not necessarily around the bases. So we'll see. I mean, keep tabs on him. He's a freak of nature, but 78 is very fair in my opinion compared to some people put him at 15 just because of the upside. I, he hasn't proved anything to me his stint at low a did not look great so don't don't put him off the list just put him at the back end like Keith Law did here and let him ride it out and we'll see what Domingo's turns out to be Joey Bart should be starting for the Giants opening day catcher he's gonna be interesting because I like the uh uh, the other catcher, the Giants have his name slipping me right now, but he's going to be good too in a couple of years. But Bart's Bart, former number two overall picks got to prove a lot. Dio Hall at 81. Fine with that. Rosny Contreras got glad to see him get some recognition, a right-handed pitcher for the Pirates came back in the, I believe he was the James and on trade. He, he looked good. Yeah. He, he looked really good. For the Pirates, and I think he's going to be a good pitcher for years to come. Watch him out. Okay. Bryce short shortstop for the Brewers at 85 is way too high. I don't think Bryce Terang has nearly of the upside that anyone thinks. He had six home runs last year. That's that power just does not play. And his ground ball rate's over 50%. He, he's I'm not a big fan of Bryce Terang, especially it says he's a 55 grade in the field. Okay. That's an okay. He's a he'd be an okay hitter that plays okay defense, that's not a top 100 guy in my opinion, but could just be me. Let's see. Okay, this one's bad. Kevin Smith at 89 for the Blue Jays is horrible. He's 25 years old, and the Blue Jays don't want him. We didn't know if he was going to get released by the Blue Jays because he wasn't going to make the 40-man roster. He had a good year, but he does not play good defense. He's does not play say He shouldn't be playing shortstop. He, I don't even know if he'll be playing second base, but he hit two eighty five in AAA at 25 years old. Big deal. I, I I don't think Kevin Smith should be this high whatsoever, especially behind a guy in his own farm system like Groshans. so we're going to get into it. I think Groshan is way better than Kevin Smith. I can't believe Kevin Smith is in the top 100 prospects in baseball. That's amazing to me. He was awful in 2019, and now he had one okay year. Rory made it to AAA, made some adjustments, but I don't think Kevin Smith sh- should be sniffing this list. Asa Lacy could not throw a strike last year. Really interesting number four overall pick in 2020 for the Royals at 90. Royals can't develop pitching, and I hope they can because they have a unreal offense coming their way with some of their prospects, like Wit, Melendez, Prado. They just need to learn how to develop pitching. Like Brady Singer has not done much in the MLB at all. 93 is Nick Gonzalez, second baseman for the Pirates, who is the number seven overall pick in 2020. I think he's too low. I think Nick Gonzalez has ridiculous power of a guy that's only 5'10", 195. His bat speed is ridiculous. He's going to be a really good player. He can go opposite field with it. He's a, I think he's going to be a really good player for the Pirates. I, just, I think 93 is a little low. I think his bat plays way higher than that. Yes, he's not a. he doesn't walk that much, but, man, he crushes the baseball every time he swings. You know there's a difference in sound when he hits the ball compared to most of these other guys. He's too low. As well to Peraza at, six, at 95. That's, I can't believe he's below guys like Kevin Smith at shortstop. Peraza, shortstop for the Yankees, had an unbelievable year last year. Had pretty much a 300, 350, almost 500 guy with, 40, with almost 40 stolen bases. And had plus he plus power. He hasn't shown any power in his minor career, and he's only twenty two years old. And he made it all all the way up to Triple A, and or he made it Double A maybe. But he's a fantastic player. I I think a guy especially like him whose glove is gonna play. Oswaldo Peraza, the big thing with him was a oh, plus glove, and then everything else might come later. Well, the bat came around last year, and he's still a very, very good glove. So, above average power, that's, I don't know what else he would need to do to get higher on this list, because he's got behind guys like Kevin Smith, who is three years older, not and not a good defender, and Peraza hit better than him, other than he just didn't walk as much. I, I He stole way more base, he's a plus runner. I... He had a three-level jump last year. He went from high A, double A, and he made a triple A at the end of the year. Enough said about Oswald, Oswald Peraza. He's going to be a really good player. I think the Yankees are going to trade him, maybe in the Matt, Matt Olsen trade that I'm hearing a lot of rumors of with the A's. So, what He's a guy to watch out for in trade rumors right now. Groshan's at 99. Uh, I was talking about him over Kevin Smith. He's a way better player than Kevin Smith, I think. I don't love Groshans, but I think he's a better player than Smith. So the fact that you have Smith 10 slots ahead of Groshans makes zero sense. And other than that, that's about all I have for the top top 100. That's that's it. I, I think Keith Law, not a great list. A lot to talk about on this list, though, which is good for people like me who like to talk about this kind of stuff. I don't know. And it, it especially is frustrating when he doesn't... He has this criteria that he sets out, and he doesn't really follow it that much because you don't have a high upside guys like O'Neill Cruz higher than he is. Hunter Green maybe too high, and then he leaves guys off the list. And I got to talk about these two because it it is awful that he left these two guys off the list. No, Nick Lodolo. Nick Lodolo is per, pitcher for the Reds, left handed pitcher, and most rankings is above Hunter Green. And I don't, I can't understand why you left him off the list. Nick Lodolo is a stud, and he references uh, he had a shoulder injury. So a lot of these guys on this list have injuries. I'm, I'm not going to project injuries here. I want to project the guy, if he's healthy, him playing well. And, yes, he has a shoulder injury. He didn't pitch too, too much last year. But he's got a filthy sinker, a great slider, and he's coming off the left side at, I think he's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, maybe even 6'7". Lodolo, in everybody's rankings that I've seen, is above Hunter Green. You have Hunter Green at 12 Which, if you want to flip-flop, I'm fine. But the fact that you don't have Nick Lodola on this list is awful. That is the biggest miss on this list. Easily. He's a top 30 guy in pretty much everybody else's ranking. So, for you not to put him in the top 100 says enough about your list as a whole. And another guy that missed the list was Max Meyer. Pitcher, number three overall pick in 2020 to the Marlins. Right-handed pitcher. Led it double A in ERA. He led double A in ERA. Given his expected numbers, it say that he's going to have a little bit of a setback this year, but the guy has two plus, he has a fastball slider plus right now. He could be in an MLB bullpen probably by mid season. If you, if a team like the Marlins that probably have a rotation, that's already filled out, he could probably find his way into the bullpen this season. If they really wanted to move him like that. Max Meyer is really good. And I think the Marlins are going to make a move on an outfielder. Here soon. I'm thinking like a Cantel Marte is very interesting loss. I know they're in on Brian Reynolds, so kind of like Meyer could be one of the centerpieces going back in a trade like that because they need hitters. They develop a ton of pitchers, but when you can't develop hitters like they have not, like Blade finally is showing up. Uh, he was a highly coveted prospect out of Vanderbilt a couple of years ago. So the fact that Meyer and Lodolo don't make this list is oh awful. That is so bad. Those guys are easily top 100 guys, especially Ladolo, especially Ladolo. And if you want to talk about success, Meyer led the, led double A and ERA, and I think that means something. It really does. But the biggest problem I have with Keith Law is people respond to him on Twitter and say, "Where's Ladolo? Where's this?" And as a guy who works for a big company in a almost like a newspaper, I know it's not, but a. a website like The Athletic, you would think he would come back in a professional way and say, oh, I just don't th- feel great about the shoulder injury that Lodo has. I don't like something about Meyer. He hasn't developed a third pitch enough. No, he comes back and is like, why are you criticizing me? I'm the expert here and you're not. I I'd, I'd, uh, I'd have a huge issue with that. A guy, you need to take criticism, especially when you give a list as compelling as this one to say the least with a lot of interesting rankings a lot different from the status quo you have to be able to back it up and you have to be able to talk about it not just criticize everyone that criticizes your list and you can't go out there and say well you don't know anything about prospects i know more so believe my rankings no well there's a lot of guys that know a lot of things about prospects go check mlb.com baseball america they have completely different lists i just want to hear you back up with logical reasoning upon why you would move guys here, or why guys should be in certain certain spots? Big issue with that. But fun list to talk about. though at the at the very 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 least, very fun list to talk about. As we talked about last episode, I mentioned I was going to do the top 100 baseball players of all time as well in this episode. I'm not going to do that, like I mentioned earlier. That's going to be moved on. So we're gonna, just going to go through a little bit of other baseball news. That's going to be another episode because I got a lot of strong opinions on that. Other news, uh, Trevor Bauer has, will not have charges, criminal charges pressed against him for the sexual assault allegations against him. Which means he won't be going to jail, but does not mean he won't be suspended by the MLB. They have their own independent investigation to go upon. So he probably will get suspended by the MLB. Maybe I know Domingo Herman was a guy that ran into that issue, and so was Starling Castro, maybe 50 to 80 games. We'll see. But the big thing is Bauer is he has an opt-in, a player option. So he could opt into the Dodgers for like 40-some million, but I know the Dodgers don't want him. So it's going to be an interesting scenario to see what they do. But the Dodgers do need some pitching, especially if they don't decide to re-sign Kershaw think that would be a huge add to the rotation to get Bauer back but I know the Dodgers as a team don't necessarily like Trevor Bauer but it's good to see we might see him again on a big league mound which didn't look too great a couple of months ago it looked a little bit bleak but we'll see if he get blackballed out of the MLB like Kaepernick got blackballed out of the NFL we'll see all right let's give a lockout update there's been some progress made We will have a universal DH that has been agreed upon by the union and the owners. Also, interesting news, we will have a draft lottery, which is very interesting. So we won't have just your uh, ranking at the end of the year, your record, get your position. You will go into the lottery like the NHL and the NBA have where you get a little ping pong ball or whatever. I don't know how they're going to do it, but. It's a very interesting piece of news. I guess that's to promote teams from tanking to get better overall picks. So now you're not guaranteed it. Yes, you have a better shot at getting a better pick than let's say the person that you the fir- finished with the worst record should have the best odds of the first pick, but they're not guaranteed it. So very, very interesting. And also draft compensation is gone. For all those that don't know, in the MLB, we just saw an example last year. If you do not sign your first round pick, within your within the designated signing period, you are awarded compensation with the pick after the one you had in the following draft. So we just saw it last year. The Mets draft Kumar Rocker 10th overall. Kumar Rocker and the Mets do not come to an agreement because of some medical issues and what they believe is wrong with Kumar's elbow. Well, he does not get signed with the Mets. The Mets this year have the number 11 overall pick as compensation for the pick in which they used for Kumar the previous year. We also saw this a couple years ago with Brady Aiken, who was the number one overall pick in 2000, I want to say 14. And then the Astros used the second pick the following year to get Alex Bregman out of LSU in 2015. So to see that gone is nice because it should now incentivize you to sign your first round pick. And it should give more leverage to some of these younger guys because now you're not getting the compensation and just saying, oh, we don't care. We won't sign you. We'll just take the pick again next year. we will get a redo. Well, it's a big step in the right direction for the players that you don't have to re- redo that entire situation. So that's on the positive side. So a lot of the baseball stuff has been agreed upon, but we still have a huge economics issue, including stuff like the luxury tax, service time manipulation. Bonus pull money. So a meeting actually had just, just happened as I speak, and the details are coming out and said that the union was very disappointed by the MLB's proposal. We're not close to a deal at all. And that is so disappointing because spring training now is going to be delayed. And if they miss games to start this season, it is going to be a humongous crushing blow to the MLB. The If you miss games, you are deterring so many fans from watching this sport, and especially a sport that rebounded really nicely last year after COVID. It would be an absolute travesty to see them take another two steps back after taking one forward. The MLB World Series did pretty good last year, but it's still nowhere close to a sport like the NFL, which is fine. You don't have to compete with the NFL, but... You have to bring in more fans, especially to some of these markets like Oakland needs a new ballpark. Tampa needs a new ballpark. Maybe you'll attract more fans. The TV deals in the MLB are obviously local deals. So it's a little bit differently, and the payroll thing seems to be a big deal. Because who wants to go watch a team like the Orioles or the Pirates play? Because they're paying other guys a total of like $40 million, which Mike Trout makes more himself. Nobody wants to go watch that. And that's where we run into the luxury tax because the owners really don't want to move up the luxury tax that much because they say they took a humongous financial hit on the 2020 season. You prorated the salaries of the players, which means the the season was 60 games long, so they only had to pay the players for 60, 60 out of 162, that whatever the percentage that is, around like 30% or whatever of their entire contract of the year. So you prorated the salaries. Yes, there were no fans in the stand, but you're telling me those TV deals didn't make up for that. The MLB did not lose as much money as they claim, and that is highly frustrating that they keep claiming that, and the owners are hurting real bad. They're billionaires. I don't want to hear it. You are billionaires. A couple million dollars ain't going to hurt you. Well, we're not close on a deal as the owners barely want to move up the luxury tax, which incentivizes team not to spend as much money as the money per free agents is way, way down from even a couple of years ago. Which I'm not opposed to teams not giving out long-term deals, but teams aren't even giving out per annual value as much. Just not as many people are getting signed. I mean, we saw a couple years ago with that whole, free agency thing where Machado and Harper took a long time to be signed. Harper was signed like at spring training. Like, no one wants to see that at all. Last offseason was good. And this offseason was fantastic because it was like when one day everybody signed Simeon to the Rangers, Seager to the Rangers. It was so fun to watch. And we have guys like Carlos Correa out there left. And given what I'd give Correa a 10, 12-year deal, no, but. He deserves thirty to thirty-five to forty million dollars if you don't want to do that. I would give him five at two hundred. Is it steep? Yes, but the MLB should bring be bringing in more money annually as we should have full ballparks the entirety of this season. And I say should, I'm not guaranteeing anything. But you're fumbling the bag both, and I, it's not all on the owners. It's not all on. It's not a. I would say it's way less on the players, but. Man, this is frustrating. This is really, really frustrating to see it, especially out of the sport that pivoted in the right direction after last year. So, oh, this is the worst time this could happen for the sport as a whole. Then you see service time manipulation, the big issue. I hate service time manipulation. I hate having to wait to see... Chris Bryant and guys like that come up in late April so you can get another year of service time. Just eliminate it. I know the owners won't do because they'll they'll claim, well, then that's one less year that we have of a player. And how is that fair to small market teams? Well, why don't you pay your guy young like the Rays just did with Wander Franco? And now he's secured 200 million some dollars. And the Rays have an affordable contract to pay a star for years to come. Pay your guys young then. And I know the players don't love those deals. Like, they don't love the Acuna deal, but Acuna agreed to it. And that's where I disagree with the players. If they signed the deal, they agreed to it. If you didn't like it, then don't sign it. So sign your guys young if you believe in them. I mean, we see examples like Evan White where it doesn't work out, so it's not a 100% guarantee. But you gotta. I think if you agree to the deal, don't complain. And given if there were no deals out there for you to give, then maybe I'll have a difference of opinion. But a guy like Wander Franco, who made his debut last year and signing that extension, good for him. You bought out all his arbitration years, and good for the Rays. It's good to see a small market team lock up a young stud like Wander Franco. The bonus pool money is the MLB, the, the uh, union, the Players Association was proposing that players within their first two years who are people that make rookie contracts, r- rookie money, which that's another economic issue is the players want more money. They want, I think, 700 or some thousand. The owners don't want to go above 600. I Just pay them more, please. The rookies barely make anything. Or pay the minor leaguers more. That's even a better idea. But the bonus pool money would be incentivized for players that are in those first two years that don't make, Arbitration money are are not eligible for that yet. To make extra money, if they're within the top twenty percent of the league, like a super two guy, and the money they put out there at hundred million seems a little steep. But the fact that the owners came back with five million tells me that you're not negotiating good faith. I that I don't think that's proper negotiations unless it's that big of an issue to you. That just tells me that you. Do not care. And that's, I think, the biggest problem is there's been such a little understanding. And hearing guys like Manfred talk about this stuff, and everyone hates Manfred at this point, the commissioner. And then seeing players like Andrew Miller, who's in the executive board of Max Scherzer, come out and defend their guys has been have definitely a change in pace compared to even, like, the NFL last year when their CBA was up. The owners requested a federal mediator. The players denied. It didn't help at all in 94. I don't blame the players whatsoever. And as a whole, this has been detrimental to the sport as a whole. But it will not be the death sentence to the sport unless we miss games. So as long as the MLB season starts on April 1, it's fine. But if the Major League Baseball season does not start April first, there will be major, major repercussions. We saw a 94, we saw a 95, we needed 98 to save the MLB. And you would need something to save the MLB again. It's already a sport in decline, and you can't let it happen again. You, you're not going to expect a home run chase like a 98 to revive the sport. So, let's get a deal done, let's do some certain training, and let's start the regular season on time. Thank you for listening.